Good to be with you. If you are new here, welcome to Two Rivers Church. College students are back. Yes. Yes. You start tomorrow, right? I did see a Lopes shirt up here. My kids go to Lopes. But now I was thinking about this, like Rammies, like go Rammies. I mean, we moved to Fort Collins 11 year, years ago specifically to be in a college town. So go Rammies. But my kids go to GCU, so you can just go Lopes up. See what I did there? Go Rammies, Lopes up. Uh, I was thinking about you college students driving over here this morning, and uh, my my 18-year-old is going to Grand Canyon in about a week. And I was, just, I was just praying. I was just like, Lord, connect her to a church. Connect her to a church that cares about college students the way we care about college students. So that she can experience a gospel-oriented family. And to, 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 to know and be known. And to actually experience the, the beauty of the life of the church. So... Um, college students, welcome back. If this is your first time here, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we hope that you uh, will, will find this place home uh, for your journey here at CSU. Go, go Rammies. True that. Go Rammies. All right. Uh, Abe to Dave, if you have been on the journey with this, have you enjoyed the series? Has this been an informative? I've learned so much this series. I just want to let you know, if I can stay on my time which I can't guarantee, but if I can stay on my time, we're going to have some opportunity to share some testimony uh, at the end when uh, typically here as part of our, um, kind of the way we do series, when we get to the last Sunday of a series, we'll invite people in the church to just stand and just share a testimony of what uh, God has used this particular series, um, encouragement, equipping, transformation, whatever. So if that's stirring in you, uh, be prepared to stand up and share uh, at the end, again, if I can keep my time down. I just got to stay on my notes. Um, you just saw the video, uh, the stories that we've been walking through the last 10 weeks, uh, Abraham all the way to David, is the foundation of God's salvation history, of his pursuit of his people to redeem, restore, transform them in the way of the kingdom of heaven. Ultimately, ultimately leading to the fulfillment of all the promises of God in Jesus. Uh, we started, obviously, uh, Abe today, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, to Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel, Joseph, and the whole story of Joseph being sold into slavery to Egypt, and then coming out of that story, Joseph, three weeks on Moses. And we're never going to forget Moses' wife. Are you with me right now? Moses and her name is? Zipporah, we'll talk about that in just a second again. Uh, Joshua, the story of Joshua, 40 years after the wilderness, leading God's people into the promised land. Joshua, the dark story two weeks ago of the, of the judges. Um, and then last week, King David and the redemption of King David um, and Jesus ultimately from the line of King David. These stories... Uh, Greg spoke about this week one. All these stories that we've been talking about the last 10 weeks all summer, these are the scriptures and the stories that Jesus used in his ministry and his teaching. So we are using the, the scriptures that Jesus used in his own ministry and helping people understand the fulfillment of himself as Messiah. And it's so important, these stories, and helping us understand and appreciate the liberating truths of the new covenant that Jesus came uh, to, to inaugurate and to give us. The tagline of the series, uh, Chosen Family, 
chosen nation, chosen people, chosen family, Abraham, chosen nation, Israel, Jacob wrestled with God and God changed his name to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons which become the 12 tribes of Israel. A chosen family became a chosen nation. And then our emphasis today, what does it look like for us to understand as new covenant followers, believers of Jesus, how we have been grafted in to the promises all the way back to Abraham that now we are a chosen people of God. I want to remind you uh, here at the beginning, you don't need to turn there, uh, of the Abrahamic covenant out of Genesis chapter 12, just three verses. So let me remind you where we started at the beginning of the summer. The call of Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You will be a conduit of my blessing to you to nations and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant. Um, What I want to spend a little bit of time here in the beginning of of the message this morning is helping us understand how believers and followers of Jesus today in the new covenant age are grafted into that promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And the text that we're going to use to do this is Galatians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians 3. Uh, There are some Bibles in the pew racks uh, in front of you. Uh, Also, uh, if you want to pull it up on your phone, I will not judge you that you're looking at Instagram. I will think you're in the sacred text. So just saying that out loud, pull it up on your phone. Uh, we're going to be in some verses in Genesis chapter 3, uh, Galatians 3, because in Galatians 3, Paul points the new covenant church in Galatia, which were Gentile. They were non-Jewish. Paul is helping these non-Jewish people understand theologically that they have been grafted into the promise that God gave to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. And let me say this. Uh, Before we look at just a few verses in Galatians 3, we did a Galatians series, like beginning of last summer, last spring, last summer, and I spent two weeks on Galatians 3. So if you want a more robust teaching on this, go back to that series. All of our stuff is online. You should be able to find it there. But let me read, let's just read Galatians 3. I'm just going to read verses 6 and 7. Um, Paul writes to the church that he planted in Galatia. Again, these are non-Jews, okay? And he's building a case for them to understand that they are the chosen people of God. And he uses Abraham as his example. And he says in verse 6, consider Abraham. And then he quotes Genesis 15, 6. Consider Abraham. He believed God And it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Because the scriptures foresaw, verse 8, that God would justify the Gentiles. That's you, that's me, that's us. That God would justify the Gentiles by 
faith and, adv- and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. And here's the quote from Genesis 12, all nations will be blessed through you. So do you see how Paul is helping these Gentiles who didn't grow up in Jewish culture and didn't grow up in all these stories, he is helping them understand where the story of God's promises and blessing began all the way back to Genesis 12. And he said, you are chosen too, and you are in the family of God. Abraham is the example of the radical inclusivity of the gospel of grace. How did Abraham please God? Like if Abraham is the example for you and I to understand the the incredible liberating truths of of the new covenant grace in Jesus, how did Abraham please God? Did he do something specific? Did he check a box? Did Did he follow a set of expectations? And when you do all these things, Abraham, then I will bless you. No, that's not what the Abrahamic covenant is. Abraham did not please God by doing any works of the law because the Mosaic law, Ten Commandments, think Mount Sinai, Moses, that Mosaic covenant, the the old covenant of law, hadn't even started yet. It wasn't even in existence. That would come 430 years later. Abraham pleased God by his faith, his faith, his faith. Belief. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So for Jews, and, and when you grow up in Jewish culture, when you grow up as a Jew, as a Hebrew in the Old Covenant, uh, Abraham, the father of the nation, like Father Abraham, um, the father of Jewish people. Um, and Paul, again, using Abraham to convince these Gentile Christians that they are Chosen, beloved, accepted, forgiven, redeemed, transformed, part of the family of God. And Abraham's descendants, and this is how it goes from chosen family, chosen nation, chosen people, us. Abraham's descendants are all those who simply believe. It's not just the Jewish people. It's for everyone who believes are chosen, grafted in to the family of God. And it goes back to Abraham. Let me read a few more verses. Skip to uh, verses 16 to 18. Again, Galatians chapter 3, as Paul continues to help uh, this Gentile church understand, in the first century, understand how chosen and accepted they are. Back to Abraham. Uh, Verse 16, the promises, again, promises, Genesis 12, were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds. So he's making a distinction between Abraham and his seed, singular. You can see that in the text. Who are singular in the text in verse 16? And he's making sure that they are understanding it's not to seeds, plural. It's to Abraham and his seed, singular, and not to seeds, meaning many people, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. He's building his case. The law, speaking of Moses, the old covenant of law, introduced 438 years later, does not set aside the covenant 
previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. What promise is Paul talking about here? The promise given to Abraham. So the law 430 years later, he's building a case, doesn't set aside the promise given to Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. For if the inheritance, acceptance before God, redemption, restoration, adoption, if the inheritance depends on the law, on rules, on regulations, on checking boxes, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Okay? Two purposes here in these verses. Again, We're talking about how are we part of the Abrahamic covenant? How are we the chosen people of God? The first purpose in verses 16 to 18 is this, to show, Paul is showing the superiority of the way of grace over the law. And he uses the example of the chronology of the covenants to make his case. The old covenant of law came in the time of Moses, 430 years later. And what Paul is saying, the law doesn't do away with the earlier way of faith. And then secondly, really important, I already mentioned this in verse 16, the seed is singular. The promise of Abraham comes through his seed, singular, centered in Jesus. He is the promise fulfilled. Paul continues to build his case using Abraham. We'll read the last few verses of chapter 3. And so he tells The church in Galatia, he's proclaiming this to you and me today. Gentiles in the room wondering, how am I grafted into the family of God? How do I have security that I'm a a daughter, that I'm a son, that I have the inheritance of the kingdom of God? And he says, before this faith, I'm sorry, that's verse 23, it's verse 26. You are all, all, and I, in my Bible, I've circled the word all. You are all sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you are heirs according to the promise. There are three alls in those three verses. And if you do a deep Greek word study on the word all right there, guess what you're going to find out? Guess what you're going to figure out? All means what? It means all. It means all. All are one. All are chosen. All are blessed. All are redeemed when we believe. And receive the work of Jesus on our behalf. Um, If there is one verse, and it was in the video, that I would say, what's the theme verse of this series? Like if I could connect a verse to the series. I'm kind of thinking like a bookend really because I'm going to give you another verse at the end. But uh, the verse of the series is a really important verse in understanding and being grounded in the New Covenant and seeing and appreciating all of these Old Testament stories um, for the value that they have in, in helping us understand God's salvation history and His marvelous grace. It's 2 Corinthians 
And it says this, for all of the promises of God are a yes in Christ. What, what that means for us practically is this. You can look into all of these stories that we've been talking about all summer. And you can see promises given. And what this means is that where, where there is a promise of God, anywhere in Scripture and there's a promise of God... It's a yes in Jesus. And if there's something in the old covenant of law that puts a condition on that, because there's things that we read sometimes in the old covenant, like, if you will do this and this and this, and then I will do this, that's scripture, and it's part of the journey of salvation history of God. But specifically, some of those, if you do this, then I will, is connected to the Mosaic covenant of law. That was a conditional covenant for Israel in that season. Well, what, what we have the incredible joy of doing is reading the Old Covenant scriptures through the lens of the cross of Jesus. So it's a, um, it will trip you up if you go into the Old Covenant, into the Old Testament, without Jesus with you. And so what I'm equipping you to do with this verse is bring Jesus along to every passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. Because if you see a verse, like, if you will, I'm thinking that somebody can tell me what Scripture this is, but if you will, uh, what's the verse? If you will repent, if you will do this and that, then I will heal your land. And do you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, what? what some, somewhere in Chronicles, it's one of the Chronicles. But it's like one of those, if then, if you will do this, then I will do this. And what happens if we go to a verse like that in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, without Jesus, is we put that if on us. Well, I have to do this so that I can receive the blessing of God. And what I'm teaching you right now is bring Jesus in. His perfect obedience to the law has already fulfilled the if for you. And so you just bring the Savior with you. And the if is already taken care of. And you just speak the promise over you and you find healing and hope for your soul. All the promises of God are a yes in Christ. One of the things that we've been saying, uh, all the people that have been teaching through this series, is that every story is about Jesus. This is a book about Jesus. Every story whispers his name. And what's been so much fun in this series is going, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't connect Jesus into that particular story. And there's a phrase in uh, the journey through Joshua, and Connor Patterson was teaching that morning, and it's a story of Rahab in Joshua 2. And basically, uh, the story goes before Israel would go in and they were going to take over Jericho before they were going into the promised land, because she uh, was an innkeeper and she housed the two spies that Joshua sent in, he basically said, just exit out your window with a scarlet cord, drop a scarlet cord out of your window, and your house will receive mercy. And I remember Connor teaching us, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before in this story. There's Jesus. Because how did Israel get mercy 40 years prior when they were being liberated from slavery out of Egypt? The Passover lamb, the blood over the doorpost of their heart, and those homes receive mercy. It's like, oh my gosh, there it is right there in Joshua 2. So what I want to do 
before we have some time for testimony, I think I'm on time, is I want to draw the scarlet cord quickly through every single story that we've been talking about this summer. And I hope it wows you the way it wows me. Because there's one thing to go, oh, this is a book about Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the pastors say that. But then to see it in the scripture and in the story. See, Jesus isn't hiding in these stories. But we have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Abraham, hear this. He, Abraham called away from his home to pursue the purposes of God the Father. Sound familiar? Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Paul writes in Romans 3, verse 22, righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus to all who believe. Isaac, Genesis chapter 2, this like famous story of God testing Abraham's faith to take his son up on this mountain and sacrifice his only son Isaac and then the story of the the ram in the thicket right the the substitute for the sacrifice in place of Isaac's life powerfully foreshadows the cross Jesus as our substitute and atoning sacrifice saving us do you know what the name of that mountain was that God called Abraham to take Isaac up on? Does anybody know the name of the mountain? Anyone? Anyone? Mount Moriah. Does anybody know the name of the mountain that the temple in Jerusalem was built on top of? Mount Moriah. Does anybody know the mountain that Jesus sacrificed himself for us? You guys. Moriah. Every story, every story. Jacob, chapter 32. When we go back and look in the Old Testament, there's these um, stories of like the glory of the Lord, like this supernatural glory of the Lord like shows up and it's called a theophany. And it's like this like supernatural experience where like God shows up. And in Genesis chapter 32, there's a theophany, uh, perhaps a Christophany, because Jacob starts wrestling with this dude, right? It's like this wrestling match, and Jacob's like hip gets out of socket, and it's a theophany. It's an appearance of the glory of God, and that is where Jacob's name got changed from Jacob to Israel. In that scene, in that story, and Jacob says, and God told him to Jacob, I am El Shaddai. I am the God of light, maker of heaven and earth. He is the God who sees us. He is El Shaddai. Moses, we spent three, or Joseph is next. Um, after Jacob, Joseph, the story, the 12 sons, you know, the fancy Fancy coat, coat of many colors, the jealousy, they sell him out, they, they totally betray their brother, he goes, he gets sold into Egypt, famine in the land, you guys know the story, the sermon's out there, go listen to it, and then Abraham and his sons have to come, Joseph now is like second in command in all of Egypt, um, and 
Genesis chapter 50, Joseph says, What you intended for evil, God used for good to accomplish saving many lives. Sound familiar? Calvary? Anyone? I remember that morning, it was my friend Wes teaching, and this was one of those. This is the thing like Connor teaching on the Scarlet Cord of Rahab. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. There's that whole story with the cup. And Joseph is like doing this thing where he puts a cup in, and it went into Benjamin, the youngest sons, and he was going to keep Benjamin there. And there's all this like angst and stress. And one brother said, let me step in in place of Benjamin. I will step in in place of Benjamin. And the, the son, the older son's name or the older brother, it was Judah that said, I will step in and sacrifice myself. Does anybody remember the tribe that Jesus came from? The tribe of Judah. Every story, every story whispers his name. Moses. We spent three weeks on Moses. An Israelite boy, an Israelite boy born under an oppressive king. Saved from death by that oppressive king at his birth who had declared that all the boys would be killed. Saved by his believing mother. He comes of age shows himself to his Israelites as their rescuer, but his own people reject him. This is Moses. Sound familiar to Jesus? Just like Jesus, Moses could not deliver when he lived in the palaces of glory. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. So just like Jesus, Moses could not deliver when he lived in the palaces of glory. He had to come down off the throne, away from the palace, into a humble place before he could deliver his people. Moses became like his people. Sound familiar? Eugene Peterson, paraphrase of the New Testament, John 1.14. I love this paraphrase, John 1.14. God put skin on and he moved in to the neighborhood. To become like us. Exodus chapter 4. Zipporah. Reminder of Zipporah. Don't ever forget Zipporah. Moses' wife literally saving his life. It seemed that Moses had neglected to administer the sacred rite of circumcision. An act that symbolizes God's covenant with his chosen people. And it was the guilt that Moses had that needed forgiving. And the justice of God was against Moses. And it literally says in the text that God was going to kill him. And Zipporah, his wife, steps in. You remember the story? She steps in, takes a flint knife. Noah sent me a really fantastic emoji line of this story. If you want that, I'll share it with you sometime. It took me a while to get what he was trying to teach me. But I'll never forget that. Flint knife circumcises her own son. There, just so you know, there's blood when there's circumcision. Takes the skin and the blood of her son, literally throws it on the feet of Moses and says, you're a blood covenant to me. And God saves Moses' life. Because of Zipporah, she saved his life. Moses was going to die and the blood of 
the Son saved him. Sound familiar? Moses ultimately leading literal captives to freedom. Sound familiar? The Passover in Egypt, the homes with the blood of the Passover lamb are saved. John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus in Luke 4, I have been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Joshua, Joshua 2, Rahab. The scarlet cord lets out of her window when Israel invades. The house with the scarlet cord got the mercy. This was 40 years after Israel received mercy in Egypt when God led them out of being enslaved. Jesus, our Passover lamb, judges the Father's heart, desires for us to know him. And he is constantly in pursuit of his people to deliver us. And to welcome us into a place of redemption and restoration. Jesus is our deliverer. Delivers us from slavery, oppression to the Father's heart over. Remember Paul up here on the board? The cycle over and over and over. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. King David last week, Jesus called the son of David 17 times in the New Testament. Jesus from the tribe of Judah and from the bloodline of David and Bathsheba. The sovereignty and the mercy and the grace of God in that story. David's son Solomon, a man of peace, the scripture says, built the temple in Jerusalem on Mount, now you know, Moriah. Abraham, Isaac, Mount Moriah. Some of you in the room are like, oh my gosh, so awesome. David's son Solomon, a man of peace, built a temple in Jerusalem. Jesus himself, Ephesians chapter 2, is our peace. Jesus is our peace, our redemption, our reconciliation. Every story whispers his name. Amen? Last thing, and we'll have, we'll have some time for testimony. I'm so excited. Um, David was called a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? What does it mean to be called, to be known a woman after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart? Um, it doesn't mean to put your focus on your behavior that's not what that means because we know David's behavior was pretty scandalous. Pretty scandalous. Very much in process. Anointed, gifted, but bless his heart, bro made some big mistakes, right? We talked about this last week. To be a woman after God's own heart, to be a, a man after God's own heart, it means to put the focus of your affections, to put the focus of your praise, to keep your eyes on Jesus. And we read Psalm 51, where David confesses and owns and takes responsibility and calls on the beauty and the majesty of God's grace to make his heart clean. And I said last week, and I want to remind you of this, uh, if you want to be a woman or man after God's heart, know and believe this verse. It's Hebrews 4.16. And it says, let us approach God's throne of grace, approach, 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 approach 
Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. How in the world can we possibly approach the throne of the everlasting God with confidence? And it's only because it's a throne of grace and mercy to you and to me and to people. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? And so my thought in that verse is just to say, like, if you truly, like, like, I got stuff. Like, I got baggage. I've made mistakes. I'm like, yeah. I'm at the front of the line. All of us in process. There's one perfect person. His name is Jesus. And it ain't me and it ain't you. But what we are experiencing, what we are finding is the liberation, the healing of putting our affections and our eyes and our lives to Jesus and taking them off of ourselves. And the more we do that, the more gratitude, joy stirs up. In it. And guess what? We follow Jesus and we get involved in a community like this and we, our lives start becoming transformed. We are becoming more and more, Romans 8, 29, like Jesus, who we call Lord and Savior. So thank you for the series. Thank you for being on the journey uh, again, thank you to all of you. I'm looking at Jody right here. I see Lucas up on the, the top. Andrew West was in the back. Uh, Greg Hook took a couple of those. Paul Anglin, Connor. I'm so grateful for our teaching team here this summer. And so uh, it's been a wonderful series. I personally have grown and been impacted by it um, myself. So uh, worship team, you guys can come back up.